Welcome back to the second half of the Thursday edition of Trots Life here on SEN Track. Joining us now from across the ditch is Mick Guren. Thanks for joining us, Mick. How are you today? Morning, Stevie. I'm good, brother. Yeah, I'm enjoying life. Um, pretty busy time. Obviously, there's a, some great racing going on at Melton on Saturday night, and, and Menangle obviously has some superb racing, and there's a bit going on here as we start the countdown to that night of champions with self-assured being signed this morning for a slot in the race by Grimms and some news expected today over Bolt for Brilliance for the Trot. So, yeah, there's a lot of balls in the air around about that. Of course, everybody's got to try and find a winner here and there. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much racing and good racing this weekend and leading up to some exciting stuff in the next few weeks right across Australasia. Heading to Saturday night, Menangle, uh, we've got an interesting runner coming across from the Purden and Feeling camp in It's Merlin, or better known as Merlin. I'm not sure why we have to do this to them and change their names, but he's in the Cordina Chicken Farms Paleface Adios Stakes. What's, uh, what can you tell us about him? He's, he's been absolutely flying when you look at his form of late. Yeah, look, it's a really hard thing to do, to go to Menangle and win... Uh, fresh up in a group race because it's such a different type of racing, Steve, from everything else we do in Australasia. One thing I would say is Merlin's perfectly suited to it. He's quick off the gate. Uh, He has a very good gait, and he's a horse who can maintain his close-to-top speed for a very long time, which is ideal from an angle. I'm not saying he's just going to turn up and win because... It isn't an easy thing to do, and it is a heat of the chariots of fire, which is next Saturday. So, effectively, he only needs to run top four. So, it's not a case that he needs to go out there, get against the marker pegs, win. Otherwise, he's in trouble. If they can't lead, and leading is difficult first time at Menangle, then you say to yourself, are they happy to sit apart, go as slow as they want? and then run up the straight and finish in the top four. And that could well be the case. That's exactly what happened this time last year uh, to catch a wave. He ran fourth in this race. The chariots are far a week later. So heats are always difficult propositions. So I'm not sure I'll be backing him, but I do think he's the best horse in the race. I like Better Be the Best. He's a really good horse. And I think last week, driven tough, he showed that. The question will be whether he has the natural gate speed to hold Merlin at the start. There's plenty of other depths in the race, but I do think they are the two most established Group 1 winning machines. They've both won derbies and they've both won proper races. Where they end up early could determine this race. When you look at his form in New Zealand uh, leading up to this, his last start he beat Self Assured and Max Shard. You can't get a better form line than that, can you? Well, but also he's beaten Don't Stop Dreaming a few times, and we saw Don't Stop Dreaming win at least as strong a lead-up race to the Chariots of Fire as this two weeks ago. So they're very comparable horses. Um, Don't Stop Dreaming might go further in life because he's by Better's Delight. The other fellow's by Art Major, but he's showing no signs of some of the fragility some of the Art Majors can occasionally show you. So, look, I think he'll go over there and, and do a good job, whether he does a good enough job to win this week. I'm willing to wait, Stevie, but, yeah, his form at the absolute highest level has been very strong, and most of that's been front of the field form. 
And again, that's that's the absolute recipe for mile racing around Menangle. Then, of course, Don't Stop Dreaming goes to the 2300-metre race because he can't race in this prelude because he won the other prelude, and you can't race in those. So the horses are in on the top four in that first prelude two weeks ago. They actually get spread around New South Wales this week. Uh, he races in that race, and, and he... I think will win beating the moderate grade three for all. There's over 2,300, which you'll love. Um, earlier in the night, sooner the better, who ran fourth in that prelude, goes around in a class race that he should win. And Captain's Knock, who fresh out of being down at Menangle for the Bonanza, uh, went and ran third in that prelude. He actually goes to Wagga tomorrow, where he's just the greatest certainty you'll see all year. So... Uh, yeah, they have to spread them around because once you've raced in one prelude, you're not allowed to race in the other ones. Yeah, and uh, it well, gives everyone else a chance to see him, I suppose, race elsewhere. It leads into my question with Don't Stop Dreaming. His run in the Hunter Cup, I thought, was amazing. To, to pull ground off Leap to Fame, to run the sectionals that he ran, and he probably didn't handle that home corner as good as, as he probably would have liked to have handled it, but the, the speed that he showed... Is he, I know it's Merlin's, well, Merlin has beaten him a few times, but with his last few runs, would I be silly in saying that I think he could be as good, maybe even, you know, looking at going past Merlin on ability? Yeah, very much so, Steve. Yeah, I, I, think, I think he might be a bit of long-term horse, and that, that might come down to the better's delight thing. The bottom line is he is the greatest stallion we've ever seen. Whether we like that or not, I mean, anything else is going to be inferior to him. Maybe Captain Treacherous, breeds faster horses. Yeah. But there's only one king. And better's delights tend to turn up at four, better than three, and sometimes even better at five. And he has a lot of that about him. But he still is yet to catch Merlin. Merlin might be faster. Uh, he did crossfire a touch at the top of the straight there in the, in the Hunter Cup. I'm not sure how good the rest of the open class crop is. I mean, a lot of Emma Stewart's horses are either parked up or we haven't seen much of them. Um, yeah, the best New South Wales horses went in the Hunter Cup. So I'm, I'm willing to think that that wasn't a vast improvement on what he's done in the past, and I'm willing to think that maybe Merlin would have done the same thing. The one thing I would say is I think Merlin's a great front-of-the-field horse, and I think that uh, Don't Stop Dreaming is too, but I think Don't Stop Dreaming is just as potent coming from back in the field well, I'm not sure Merlin is. We haven't seen a lot of that version of Merlin. Just got an extra time. string to the bow. Yep, so, but also, as you know, there's, there's more ways he can win races. But, yep, long term, if somebody said, who's going to win more money from this point of their career onwards, if they both stay sound, I would say, don't stop dreaming, because I think he's bred to do so. But Merlin has risen to the occasion every time, and I absolutely wouldn't be stunned that it's been nine days' time he was the Chariots of Fire champion, and he was in the Miracle Mile. So I think it's a really interesting time, Stevie. Between those two horses and Frankie Ferocious, there's a lot of really interesting, big stable, people love to punt on type horses going around who are going to very quickly maybe fill those gaps for the fourth to eighth best paces behind Leap to Fame. And that might even be the second to fourth or fifth best paces behind Leap to Fame. 
Because if you take leap to fame out of the equation and catch a wave as such an enigma, it's probably hard to name the second best horse in Australia if, in fact, we don't see Swayze much and no one seems to have any idea where he is. So yeah. it, it's an interesting one to see who's going to fill those gaps. Swayze would hold that spot at the moment, but I, I don't know. Sometimes Jason's horses race amazingly, and then sometimes they just... Next time you see them, they're trained by somebody else, and I'm not going to try and make rhyme or reason of that. Um, that's his business and, and not mine. With uh, talking about Don't Stop Dreaming, we had the New Zealand yearling sales on throughout last week. Some big money uh, paid for some of those, but the record breaker or the record equaler was Don't Stop Dreaming's brother, who uh, went for an amazing price over there. Yeah, we went for 340000 New Zealand dollars yesterday, which is a lot of money. It equals the record for an amount paid for a New Zealand horse, paid 35 years ago. Um, he's actually going to be raced by the TAB Racing Club. So the TAB Racing Club is available to anybody who has a New Zealand TAB account, and you get a share in the horse. It's not a monetary share. It's a racing share. You get all the updates and all the lovely things and the videos and and you get to be part of it. And then on race night, those who can make it to the track, if in fact this horse gets to the races, um, can go into a draw on occasions to be part, get part of the stake money. So, look, it's a great idea. They bought four horses at the sales. Dean Shannon, who's effectively the head of the New Zealand TAB, knows a lot about owning a good horse. He owns them all. And he wants to share that experience with people. So I think good on them. I think it's really cool they've done it. I think it's going to open doorways for people to to get those little texts and emails that some of us get on a Tuesday morning from our trainer. Here's your horse and work this morning. People love that stuff. And I think the more people we can engage in New Zealand for that, the more chance we've got of converting them to becoming owners and or punters. Not that punts the only thing that matters in the game. You have to be a TRB account holder to be part of it. So most of the people involved will be punters but as you know better than anybody steve you put your hands on a horse and develop an emotional relationship with the horse you're far more likely to be involved in horses for life than if it's just a series of numbers to you it certainly is and and as you say it's a fantastic way of getting people into it they they have a good experience and the next step is how do we buy a horse? You know, that monetary aspect then comes into it. So uh, hats off to the TAB group for doing that. And, you know, I mean, they're spending up some big money, $340,000. It's no no cheap pony. And uh, they're, they're really backing in New Zealand racing, aren't they? Well, somebody had to. It got really messy here a couple of years ago. And I don't really care which bookmaker it is. The bottom line is, you know, all the bookmakers are trying to make a dollar for themselves and, Entain's worked out that by doing engaging people and making them interested in racing, they may be interested in betting longer term. So I, I can't fault them for what they've done since they've taken over New Zealand racing. There was an element of people saying, oh, well, they're a bookmaker, they'll just put up product and you know take our money. But it hasn't been that at all. They have invested enormously in racing. And it's been the single biggest development in New Zealand racing for me. And I've sort of been at the coalface of it now for quite a while. Um, I would say in my time in racing. So 
that the arrival of fixed odds, but that wasn't an instantaneous change. This has been an instantaneous change. Um, and now the big question will be whether they are able to get through the New Zealand Parliament geo-blocking, which means people who live in New Zealand cannot bet offshore. Now, that's a really interesting one because that actually happens in Australia too. But, of course, in Australia, there's more betting options. So um, that's going to be interesting. That'll, that could take legislative or could require legislative change. But the carrot to that is apparently it triggers part of the contract which will contribute an extra $100 million to New Zealand racing. And you have wow. to say to yourself, what matters more? Punters having choice where they can bet with five bookies or punters betting with one bookie who legislatively have to do the right thing by the New Zealand racing industry. It's a very complex question, and everybody's going to have their views on it. The reality is there's not many winning punters in New Zealand, Steve. Not many punters in New Zealand win, far less than you would think. So people complain often about bookie restrictions, but if you're not a winning punter, it's not costing you anything. And yes, there, is a, there is the element of choice. Do you have enough choice for the right sort of odds? To be perfectly honest, most bookies these days, if you look at a, a bookmaker, most of the mirror tabs odds for most things or vice versa. Whoever goes up first to a degree, people mirror it. So, yeah, I'd love to have 100 bookmakers in New Zealand, but that ain't going to happen. Um, we're only allowed to have one. And if someone says to me, there's $100 million going into the New Zealand racing industry, or you get to bet with the best of three bookies, I probably want the first thing, not the second. So it's a very complex question, but I do think that's the next uh, major obstacle and potential major lever of change and profit for the industry that Entain have to um, to get across. And it's really interesting when you work for lots of different channels, because I work for Style, I work for a whole bunch of people. Some pay me, some don't. And it's funny how some bookies and some betting agencies hate each other. But to me, that's just childish. I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less who you work for. The bottom line is, Stevie, half the guys who work at Sky now work somewhere else, and half the people who worked at Entain will work for Sportsbet in six months or whatever. Um, you just got to tell the truth, and whatever's best for the industry and best for the people involved is far more important than the arguing at corporate tables. So occasionally people tell me you can't talk about this or that on this show or the other. The bottom line is, as long as you're telling the truth, he really gives a shit what you talk about. <laughs> exactly right. And uh, look, it, it all comes down to what's best for the industry. And uh, I can sit there and talk to anyone. If I hear that they mention best for the industry and not what's best for me, I'll sit there and talk to them and, and belt through different ideas till the sun goes down. Well, also, something I've learned about corporate bookmakers, 30 years ago, I bet with Cedarbet, I think it was, or whoever, and then they got acquired by Harry Knackers or Bluebet. Or, they've all got different names. I just don't care. Like, as long as people tell me the truth and tell the punters the truth and let them on for a fair amount, I don't care if it's the tab, who I do do some work for. It's unpaid. I don't get paid by the tab. I go to the Miracle Mile for free. I go there because I want to be part of good coverage. But the bottom line is I don't care who the bookmaker is. As long as punters are getting a fair service and the bookmakers, whether that's the tab or anybody else, is contributing to the industry, then I will respect the investment they put into it. I don't get to choose who I like and who I don't like based on whether they pay me or not. Otherwise, you shouldn't be doing this for a job. 
No, fair call, and we appreciate your contribution to this show, Mick. We do have to duck off to a break, so I'll say thank you for joining us, and we look forward to these big races leading up into your night of champions coming up in a few weeks' time. And Stevie, keep posting that little boy of yours on on, uh, on Twitter, <laughs> mate. It's always good to see how the family's doing. Um, he's much loved, and it's always gives you a little chuckle when I see his little face turn up on my Twitter account, Stevie.